Welcome to Let's Talk Law, the Law Careers podcast for students at King's College London. I'm Caroline Lintner, one of the careers consultants for the Dixon Poon School of Law at King's, and today I'm joined by Justina Cazella. Justina graduated from King's with an LLB in Law with European Legal Studies and an LLM in International Financial Law. During her LLB, she spent a year abroad at the University of Strasbourg. Since graduating, she's held various roles in the public sector, including in the Resolution Department at the Bank of the Bank of England, as well as in Banking Supervision and as a Legal Counsel at the European Central Bank. Welcome, Justina. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's great to have you on our podcast. Thank you for having me, Caroline. It's a pleasure. So my first question to you is, is what attracted you to a degree at King's in law? And it would be great if we could also touch upon your year abroad in Strasbourg and what that taught you. Yeah, sure. I really liked languages and literature at school. I wasn't so keen on sciences and math. So I knew I wanted to do a degree where I could leverage on my interests. So a law seemed like a good choice because I could exercise my sort of attention to language in drafting and legal interpretation of legal texts, for example, and drafting legal opinions. And at the same time, I knew I didn't want to study languages as a degree because I wanted to do something that had a commercial angle to it that would be related to the world of business. So it was pretty early on that I knew I would be wanting to do commercial law rather than criminal law, for example. And in terms of why I chose Kings, so um, I think it'd be good to take a step back because for some of the guests you've had on the podcast, Caroline, I think uh, the, the UK is their home country. And for me, uh, my home country is Poland. So the first decision was whether I wanted to study abroad. So I also took that decision quite early on because I did the international baccalaureate um, in high school, which meant I uh, did all my uh, subjects in English. And uh, a lot of my intake, um, well, a lot of people wanted to study abroad, so it felt quite natural. And a fun fact is that actually four of my girlfriends from high school ended up at King's doing law at the same right. time as me. Gosh, yes. that, that's a large number, isn't it, really? <laughs> yes, yes, from the exactly same high school in Warsaw. So, um, yeah, it's uh, so King's seemed like a good uh, choice because obviously it's one of the best universities for for law in the UK. And uh, also, um, yeah, it's turned out to be quite an international university in terms of both opportunities it offered. So uh, the law with French law degree, the law of German law degree, the, the year abroad and transnational law degree you can do. And also, so I, th- I think our intake was quite national and uh, I, I didn't. I don't have the statistics on this, but my estimate is that uh, it could have been perhaps up to 50% of the students were international. So it's definitely a, a great choice. <laughs> and in terms of um, how my year in Strasbourg came about, I applied at the start of my second year of my LB. Uh, here I knew I wanted to learn French. That was my objective. I wanted to to further my interest in languages. And um, but if I can digress as well, the well, KCL also has a great language center, at least it used to have when I was still around. So that's another way of learning languages as well at King's. But a year abroad is also a great way to do that and also just to see uh, experience another legal system and other methods of teaching. 
the, the very structured uh, French essays, uh, as uh, so one of your other guests, Matthew Longstaff, mentioned that in, in the episode you recorded with him. Um, uh, so it was all of these things, you know, just experiencing another culture, uh, learning the language and just experiencing what uh, studying is like in another in, in continental Europe, let's say. So uh, it was it was definitely a, a good year and a very beautiful location. I just wish I had made a little bit more out of it because I think mentally I was still in London uh, a little bit because I was applying for VAC schemes yes. at the same time. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll touch upon it at the moment. You'll be pleased to hear, Justina, that the language school remains brilliant at King's. And uh, and actually, sure. I, I would say that, you know, a good 50%, if not more, of our students uh, studying law are from international backgrounds. So uh, so that, that again, that hasn't changed. But uh, really interesting different factors that you considered then when making your choices. But you then went on to study for an LLM in international finance law, which, which many of our students do. Um, and you did that after you finished your undergraduate. So it would be interesting to understand um, a little bit about that decision, but also how your LLM has helped you in what you're doing now. Mm -hmm. Sure. So um, by the time I was doing my LLB, I was quite plugged into the, uh, the UK working culture, which I think is that a lot of people just do an undergraduate and then at work they have a great formative opportunities to further develop and do professional qualifications. And I think they get quite good mentoring generally, especially in places like the big four or in law firms. So I wanted to do just that. But um, uh, I was during my LB, I was very active in applying for various fact schemes and uh, graduate programs, and I did several competitions that I was kind of quite successful in. Uh, with a few of my friends from King's, we uh, we won the Taylor Wessing Commercial Challenge. Uh, so, but uh, at at the end, I, I still didn't have an actual job offer lined up. So I uh, decided to do an LB. It was not too foreign for me to take that decision it felt quite natural because in continental Europe a lot of people decide to do uh, master's degrees um, so I was also lucky enough that my mum was able to to support me financially in this endeavour. Well that, that's uh, a big factor for many people for whether sure, or not you yeah. can afford to do it or not. Exactly it is expensive and in terms of which LLM to choose I was considering an LLM in uh, intellectual property law uh, competition and financial law and I went for financial law exactly for the re same reason I'll refer to the other podcast you recorded again but um, Matthew Longstaff mentioned this as well that he just he wanted to do financial law because he wanted to understand the FT. Mm. Uh, so this is exactly um, this, this, uh, the same reason uh, holds for me. Uh, well, maybe he doesn't say it in these words, but uh, I w also wanted to understand finance better and get an insight into the, the industry. Um, and it turns out that it helped me a great deal in my career for two reasons. One is just having the title. <laughs> so mm -hmm. uh, as I said, in continental Europe, a lot of people do masters. And it's almost a prerequisite when applying for many uh, jobs, uh, be it in the public sector or in um, uh, corporations. Um, also, it opens the door to an academic career if you ever decide to do a PhD, for example. 
And the second reason, it, reason uh, why it helped me was just uh, learning the foundations of finance, the, the main principles, the learning about the financial products, the regulation. So this definitely helped me when I was applying for a traineeship at the European Central Bank, just gave me the confidence that I had some basics that I could build on. <laughs> Well, that, that's great to hear and, and actually very reassuring, I think, that you've been able to, as you say, have that foundation, which, which has, has practically really helped you. Um, before we move on to what you're doing now and perhaps some of the decisions you have taken along the way, um, and you've referred to it, actually, you mentioned that you got involved in a lot of competitions and you and your friends mm. won the Taylor Weston competition. Um, but outside of studying, what, what else did you get involved with at King's? Yeah, so... Uh, quite a few things I'd say. So uh, the two main areas uh, where I got involved was um, extracurriculars that still related to law. So when I look back, what was I not repping? I was the Thomson Reuters West Law representative, which meant that I was uh, offering uh, support uh, to students as well as some training uh, at the the Mon Library, which is uh, which I really love, uh, and uh, so I was uh, promoting uh, Thomson Reuters uh, legal research products on campus. I was also the EU careers representative, uh, so it's funny that I did end up in an EU institution uh, in the end uh, because I. Uh, so this was a role where uh, I was uh, working um, uh, with the the EU recruitment services to promote careers in European institutions at King's as well. As working with some uh, some of the um, KCL. Uh, career center uh, employees as well on uh, organizing events. Um, also, uh, in, during my LEM, I was involved in the Postgraduate Law Society, also organizing some events. I quite enjoy that role, uh, just, uh, just, you know, organizing things for the other students. Uh, but uh, I also uh, did a lot of traveling with King, so uh, this was, this was, uh, Real fun. Uh, I'm I'm so grateful that for these opportunities because I was able to go on a trip to India with Kings, uh, and I I only had to pay for the flights. So I mean, it was uh, it was amazing. So it was uh, organized by the University of Delhi that had bought a, an actual train, and they traveled to a different region of India every year. And for the third edition, they invited some. Uh, students from the UK, so I was able to do that. And I also did two summer schools, one in Mexico and one in China, and I was able to uh, study uh, various things there like Chinese, Tai Chi, calligraphy, uh, did Spanish in Mexico. Uh, so yeah, I have some great memories from that time. That sounds incredible, um, and, and as you'll be very well aware, that, that those opportunities I don't think will be available at the moment to many of our students, but yeah. I think they'll be very interested to hear that that was available, so let's hope that comes back at some point in the not-too-distant future, but goodness me, you've made the most of your time, Justina, well done you. <laughs> um, but, you know, let's talk about your career then, because um, you mentioned a couple of times that you've been in the full throes of applying for vacation schemes mm. and training contracts, which a lot of our students do go down that route, but you actually chose not to go down the qualified lawyer or barrister route after leaving King's, so talk us through that decision. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so again, I will be cross-referring to the other podcast you've done, Caroline. Mm. So uh, 
Yeah, I uh, was listening to the podcast, the episode you did with Bernie Rivard, mm -hmm. and I would say I did a lot of the same things as he did. So I was, I did want to be a commercial lawyer and I uh, applied for uh, several VAC schemes. I did a few, few of those. And as I said, I did some competitions and I was very involved in um, uh, the law firm events that were happening at King's and just generally in the city. Uh, but uh, at the end, as I said, I, I just didn't secure a training contract despite applying for uh, uh, quite a few of them. Uh, and uh, I, after graduating from ILM, I, I had an offer to do a traineeship at the European Central Bank. And it just felt like a great opportunity, a great organization. I just really wanted to try it out. So, and because I am not originally from the UK, I think it was just a bit easier for me to leave the country to pursue that pursue that opportunity. Um, so I think it was just just that, that I just really wanted to try out that traineeship. And then in the end, that's where the, my career took me. So I, I am still based in Germany at the moment. <laughs> Great. OK, Let, we'll come on to the ECB mm -hmm. in, in a couple of minutes. But uh, um, yeah, uh, one thing we're seeing at the moment in the legal sector is it's definitely a trend for people to be considering roots outside of being a qualified lawyer or barrister so as you'll be aware the legal sector is diversifying which is good um, but I think sometimes a lot of our students get concerned that that might not be seen as a, um, a robust route or something that's acceptable if they decide not to go down that route so I'm just really interested to hear from you about you know what you would say to students who are considering an alternative route to law so you know using their legal studies still so it might be in compliance or risk or policy there's such a wealth of opportunity and I'm really interested to hear what you you know what you would say to students who might be considering that route at the moment. Yeah, I would say uh, that students should definitely broaden out their perspectives and consider these uh, these other routes because I think even as a as a stepping stone to eventually pursuing a, a legal career, I think that um, doing, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, having a job in compliance policy or risk, for example, especially if someone's interested in finance, uh, it can uh, bring a lot of new soft skills. Um, so, yeah, I think learning to analyze data, manage projects are all things that can just uh, in the end enhance your uh uh your your cv and and your i think your uh your skill set so i would definitely consider that either as a as a career choice or just uh, as something you might want to do uh, for some time before eventually qualifying as a lawyer because that also takes time uh, especially in london which is uh you know so focused on financial services so i'd say given the, the body of uh, financial regulation, which has been growing exponentially in the last couple of years, there are just so many opportunities out there to do things like, as I said, compliance policy, uh, that it would just be a shame to, to rule that out outright. Yeah, and you know we're recording this towards the end of 2021, and I've certainly seen lots of students, um, you know, identified opportunities, uh, particularly in compliance and risk at the moment. Um, those roles are definitely out there if you want to go down that route. So, um, 
So let's talk about the European Central Bank, the ECB. You, you mentioned a few moments ago that you had this opportunity that came along. But tell us a bit more about that. How have you ended up at the ECB? Yes, as I said, I, I, I did just apply for a traineeship. So I think that there might be a perception among people that it's very difficult to get into the EU institutions. And of course, this is an opportunity that uh, it, it's probably become even trickier for um, UK nationals, British nationals at the moment. So, uh, but in terms of securing a, a traineeship, I'd say there's quite a lot of opportunities across the EU institutions to do that. So I just applied for uh, for one in banking supervision. So I didn't really know much about banking supervision at all at the time, what it entailed. I just saw in the job description that was related to Basel III, which is the uh, regulatory framework related to uh, capital requirements for banks that I had studied during my LLM. So uh, that was the linking pin and uh, that's, uh, I, I, yeah, I just uh, got the traineeship and I just went to Frankfurt. <laughs> so you're now living and working in Frankfurt. So you're, you've gone from Poland to the UK, Strasbourg, back to the UK and now exactly. Frankfurt. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So your international career and life continues really. Um, and what skills have you developed from your time at the ECB, you know, so, so far? Yeah, so uh, as I said, when I was uh, talking about concern, uh, considering alternative uh, routes to law, uh, I have definitely developed uh, skills in terms of um, data analysis, presenting data, um, so using Excel, Tableau, these kind of tools. And I think that this can also be beneficial, as I said, and transferable to a career in law because I also did do a short stint at a law firm and there I, I could see how I was thinking differently in terms of, um, for example, there was, um, uh, in terms of uh, knowledge management and business development, I could instantly think of uh, how we could graphically represent things like uh, regulating uh, crypto assets across the, the EU, for example, so in terms of heat maps. And so I think, uh, that's something I borrowed from spending time with people who uh, had graduated from finance and economics. <laughs> um, but also uh, definitely uh, just cooperating with people from all kinds of uh, different backgrounds. Um, so we work with, uh, yeah, <laughs> all the national EU nationalities are represented there. So uh, yeah, these kind of things and, and, and generally it definitely gave it gave a twist to my career. So I, I moved away from law and I had to uh, throw myself at the deep end a little bit in terms of learning the basics of, of bank accounting. And um, uh, so you've asked what skills I've developed from uh, my time at DCB to date. So I think the Bank of England also counts. I spent a year there working in uh, as a resolution analyst in the banking resolution department and the Bank of England had great training. So that also definitely helped me in terms of understanding uh, the financial side of things better. Yeah, and uh, you know, we'll move on to what you're doing now, but um, yeah. 
it, it's you know, that sort of training and that knowledge mm -hmm. is, is going to stand you a good stead throughout your career but also just personally I'd imagine I'm sure that hasn't you know, it's, it's good knowledge to have isn't it being aware of how, how the banking sector works so you're currently um, legal counsel at the ECB so we talked about how you know, you've done your legal studies you haven't gone down the route of qualifying at that stage you've got into a very different type of role albeit using your legal knowledge and now you're legal counsel so <laughs> tell us a bit more about how that came about and what that yeah. actually means yeah so i must say while i was working in banking supervision i was still doing uh, the legal qualifications so uh, I like to call it the scenic route to law. So I, <laughs> I like that, the scenic yeah. route to law. Yeah. Uh, what I did uh, was um, I, at some point, I, I just met a person who advised me. I was considering uh, doing legal qualifications just because I, you know, I graduated from law and then, you know, if you have the, the license to practice law, it just, can just come in handy at some point if you just decide to to work in law and, and practice so i thought okay i had some some time on my hands and 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 some money so i um and it was just that that trigger you know so someone said why don't you do the new york bar and then you can convert that into a, a uk qualification and an irish bar as well maybe so i i did that i did the new york bar and then i uh did the uh uh, qualified lawyers transfer scheme so this uh, will have changed now so right now there's the SQE so I think this route is not available anymore but I think it's, it might still be possible to do the new bar and then I'd convert that still to a UK qualification through the SQE of I should rather say England Wales solicitor <laughs> uh, so yeah because I did these qualifications I really wanted to actually try what it's like to to work in law although I am working in-house and my role is still a little bit sometimes policy orientated because I am working in the public sector so but it, it is a quite commercial as well in some respects and in terms of how it came about I was just very lucky again that my manager and banking supervision uh, allowed me to do a secondment in the legal department. So I am in a team which is doing uh, financial law. Uh, so, um, yeah, working on issues such as uh, payment systems, settlement of securities, and also when there's a, a draft of um, EU regulation um, coming from the uh, European Commission, we also find on them. Uh, so these are the type of things that we do. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I just I've been in this role for three months now and I'm just exciting to see excited to see how it goes and how I like it. And, you know, I'm just excited to actually be able to, um, yeah, actually uh, work in, in, in law and yeah, see how, how it looks like. Yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> I mean, something I just want to touch upon, if I may, I mean, doing those qualifications whilst working full time mm -hmm. that must have been challenging I mean did you did you have much of a life during that period when you were <laughs> studying for all these exams and I mean what, what's that like because lots of our listeners will will end mm -hmm. up doing that and they, they might be thinking of that as a, as a route so uh, just useful I guess to talk about the realities of what that's like when you are yeah. holding down a full-time job 
Yeah, so what I did do is I, um, when I decided to do yoga for the first four months, I was uh, uh, studying after work. So yeah, that took up most of my weekends and uh, some time after work as well. And I was lucky enough that working in CB, my hours are decent. So I was able to study after work and during the weekends. Uh, but uh, in the end, I did have to sort of quit. So I was on, on short-term contracts at DCB at, at some point. So that's the the way it works there is that you don't get a permanent contract straight away, but you you might do several contracts and at some point, if you're lucky, you are offered a, a fixed term or a permanent position. Uh, so I was able to just um, terminate my contract and then I, uh, which was also quite disruptive in a way, but I was just sitting at home for two months and studying for it. And it is challenging financially as well to do these mm. qualifications. If you want to do a, a proper prep course, uh, mm. the best one, prep course, uh, I think, uh, uh, costs about, I think, might be $6,000, I think, mm -hmm. for the new bar. So, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. So yeah. it's not to be undertaken lightly, you know, I guess is, but also it, it, people do do it. So it, it, it yeah. is very much part of the route for some people as you say this the scenic route to law I, I do yeah. like that phrase I and if I can add again. something mm. I think I would definitely look for some sponsorship opportunities to yeah. see if you know uh that a law firm or a bank or whatever organization could uh, pay for at least some yeah. of that yeah and that does happen and we we know that yeah. don't we yeah absolutely okay um you mentioned uh, a couple of times uh, in a roundabout way about people, you know, sort of making suggestions to you along the way. And it sounds to me, and I, well, I know it, it does happen, that you ha you have had mentors along the way. So, um, and many people do have mentors during their career. I, I've certainly had some wonderful mentors myself. Why is it important and, and how has having a mentor helped you, Justina? Yes, as I said, I um, didn't pursue a a route where everything was set out for me. So I would say that the solicitor route, the, the convenience of that is that, you know, while you're at university, you get a, a an offer ideally to do a training contract and then you know you're going to go on and do your LPC and maybe the GDL if you're not, um, uh, you know, haven't graduated from law. Well, that might all have changed now with the SQE. <laughs> I'm not sure, but the point is that uh, you know, you do your training contract and you can just stay at the law firm and then uh, that just makes it much easier in terms of not having to think too much about how, how to structure your career and you, you obviously you get a very good training and mentorship at the law firm as well. So I kind of had to look for my mentors and as I said, I started my career. So even though I had studied in the UK, I started my career in Frankfurt and I'm also from, let's say, a continental European country. So then I, when I came back to the UK um, after, let's say, one and a half years of, of working in Frankfurt, I uh, had to learn or relearn the working culture in, in the UK and specifically at the Bank of England. So I had a, a brilliant mentor there from another department um, of the Bank of England, from the Prudential Regulation Authority, actually, which is part of the Bank of England. And she was also a foreigner from India. Uh, so Nilu, uh, if you're listening, <laughs> I would really like to thank you again for everything you've done to me. So she was extremely enthusiastic and she was also involved in the 
Uh, there was a network of uh, women at the Bank of England as well. She started a, a Hindi speaking club there and uh, she was able to really impart that knowledge and infect me with her enthusiasm and uh, she made me much, much more proactive employee and just explained to me uh, what the working culture was about at the Bank of England, how I could succeed. And then another another person was was the uh, a partner uh, now at PwC Legal who uh, kind of pushed me on to doing the qualifications. So even though I didn't end up working for him, I'm still very grateful to him for just giving me that nudge <laughs> to uh, actually try it out. Uh, mm -hmm. So yeah. I would definitely, so if I can give a piece of advice to students who might be listening, I would definitely look for these kind of people for mentors it can be a family or someone who just gives you that energy to do the things you might secretly want to do but you just don't dare to do them mm. yeah and i think sometimes those relationships come left field and um you, you don't always expect the person who ends up mentoring you to be that person or um and you say it's actually quite helpful to have somebody in my experience at least who isn't doing the job that you want to do somebody who's got a bit of perspective and, and a perhaps a different type of viewpoint so it sounds as if you've you've had sort of uh, someone within the sector but also someone who's a little bit more removed so yeah that that sounds fantastic and you're both you're still in contact with both of them by the sounds of it oh yeah yeah, that's great to hear. So we're coming towards our time, end of our time together. These these podcasts go so quickly. But the last question I wanted to ask you, Justina, is if you had your time over to date, would you do anything differently? Yeah, so there's uh, two things I thought about in terms of how my studies went. And one is uh, related to uh, how I used my spare time and what extracurriculars I engaged in. And the other one's related to uh applying for graduate schemes mm -hmm. so in terms of uh how i would have used my free time if i had my time over i would have done more fun stuff so again i'm referring to the podcast she did with bernie rivet who uh was uh doing at the he was in the choir. Uh, he was in the a cappella group. That's yes, right. Yes, a cappella group, all King's Men. So yes. that sounded like so much fun when he was talking about that. So I would have done more sports and more dancing uh, for sure. Uh, and there's so many societies at King's where you can easily do that. And in terms of um, applying for graduate schemes, I think I was over applying. And I think that really, uh, looking back, I think I must have been quite anxious. And I think uh, so. I right now I would have been more, more strategic. It would have given me more free time for myself to just relax and do other things. And that in turn would have given me maybe more perspective. And uh, so I would have just maybe have thought, of, thought about which companies um, do I really, would I see myself in, you know, where would I really want to work? And rather than just, uh, uh, yeah, again, Bernie was talking about that. This has a lack of confidence and the feeling that you have to do absolutely everything you can to secure a job. So, uh, yeah, I would encourage just being more relaxed and strategic and I'm sure everything will go very well for you. So, uh, yeah, best of luck to to all the students who are in this position where they're applying for jobs. Uh, 
And thank, thank you, you, Caroline, for the opportunity oh, to talk to you. My pleasure. Before I do let you go yeah. properly, um, <laughs> um, I do want to remind our listeners that we'll be back soon with another episode of Let's Talk Law, where we'll be gaining some some more insights into life beyond kings and hopefully some useful um, top tips for our for our listeners. But in the meantime, and on behalf of our listeners, you see, now thank you so much for joining me today. It's been just simply wonderful chatting with you. Wish you all the best with the rest of your secondment, and uh, look forward to keeping in touch with you. But thank Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Caroline.